think about what that does. I mean, what if the people become bitter? Well, that's a possibility. But what if they become better? And that's a possibility. See, the call to repentance is not to be bitter, it's to be better. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. And so, Father, we come before you again. Holy Spirit, may you move in this place. May you move in power, God. May you simply have your way with us today. Fathers, I pray this prayer. I pray that my brothers and sisters pray along. Father, I yield myself to you today. I take all of me. And whatever the cost, whatever the pain, may you be glorified as we proclaim your death, Jesus Christ, until you come again. God, clothe us right now in your armor. Give us your spiritual armor that we would see clearly, that we'd identify clearly the schemes of the enemy as he slings his fiery darts. Open our eyes, help us to see with the fresh awareness, give us spiritual lenses, and yet, Father, give us soft, tender hearts, soft, tender hearts to hear your word, to receive it, to joyfully obey it, and to walk in freedom. And even if none go with us, God, help our mantra in life to be that we simply will follow you wherever you lead. Oh, to you be the praise, God. To you be the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, here in Acts chapter 3, the title of the message is An Open Door to Speak the Truth. An Open Door to Speak the Truth. Moeller said it like this. He said, a conviction is a belief of which we are thoroughly convinced. I don't mean that we are merely persuaded that something is true, but rather that we are convinced this truth is essential and life-changing. We live out this truth, and we are willing to die for it, end quote. A tozer uh, one of my favorites said it something like this. He said, one great concern I have is that many of today's Christians are not taking the Word of God seriously. For whatever reason, the Scriptures do not have authority in the Christian's life in the way that is necessary for him or her to live a life to the glory of God. If we are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we must start by taking the Bible seriously end quote. Uh, here we are in the Word of God, and, and we believe in the serious study of the Word of God. Amen? 
Uh, we know this, that's the Word of God that will set us free, and, and that's why we're so passionate about the Word of God. But you've got to remember that Satan always attacks where he's threatened the most. Uh, Satan always attacks where he's threatened the most. And if the Word of God will set people free, where do you think he's going to attack? The Word of God, amen? Well, here in Acts chapter 3, I want us to follow along in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read 11 through 26, but I first want to read 1 through 10 to give you context from our last study because it's going to be paramount to see how the two dovetail together. And so here in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. I mean, that was 3 p.m. And a man that was lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So he, he's sitting there. He's been laid there. He's lame from birth. We know he's 40 years old, and he's asking for donations. Well, look at verse 3. Seeing Peter about to go with John into the temple, he asked to receive alms, a donation. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, which is very unique. Typically, when you see someone who's begging for money, we don't look at them, we look away. They said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. That was risky, wasn't it? What if the guy didn't get up? Well, immediately his feet and ankles were strong literally fused together in the Greek language. And leaping up, he was leaping, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That must have been some show. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms donations, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Well, what happens next? Well, look at verse 11 in the Bible in front of you. While he clung to Peter, this is today's verses, and John, all the people utterly astounded. They ran together to them in the portico, the porch called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, very important point here, when he saw it, he began to address the people. Listen to what he says. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. Now you'd think that Peter would let up, right? Well, no, look at 14. But you denied the Holy One and the Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Don't worry. 
And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man, the man, this perfect health and strength in the presence of you all. Now look at 17. And now, and now, brothers, there's affection there. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Now look at this admonition, 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Why? That your sins may be blotted out. Why? That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What? Oh, I love this. And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things not some things, but all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Moses said, 22, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel And those that came after him also proclaimed these days, you are the sons of the prophets of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then lastly, 26, God, having raised up his servants, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. I want you to look at three key points in this passage this morning. As we think about an open door to speak the truth. See, God gives us habitually, perpetually open doors to speak the truth. All throughout our days, as we walk this earth, there are open doors to speak the truth. I get it that we're in a culture today that hates the truth. We live in a culture that uh, there's so much relativism, it's my truth, it's your truth, you know, it's whatever you feel, whatever you think, and again, it's all a scheme and plan from the enemy because we've already established that the truth, the Word of God, sets people free. We've already established that Satan attacks where he's threatened the most, so where does he attack? He attacks the Word of God. But here, it's very interesting when you see the discernment of Peter. Look at verse 11 for a moment and 12 in your Bible in front of you. These words are said from the Word, while he, that's the lame guy, he clung, he's holding fast to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, utterly amazed, ran. This motivated them. They they, they ran, they took action to this portico, this porch called Solomon's. And then look what 12 says. And when Peter saw it, hmm, Peter saw an open door. He saw an opportunity. He addressed the people. And this is what he said. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder? Why do you marvel at this? Why do you stare fixing your gaze on us? as though by our own power or piety or godliness, we've made this guy walk, this man walk. 
You get the impression here that, that Peter's a little righteously irritated, don't you? And justifiably so. When you walk with the Lord, you're not looking for people to look at you. You're looking for people to look at Him. When you're walking in holiness and obedience and godliness and pursuing righteousness, the farthest thing from your mind is to get a a pat on the back. The first thing on your mind is, I want to build the brand of Jesus Christ. These people are staring at Peter and John. He firmly deflects any accolades. He's like, we didn't heal anybody. We're just the vessel we're just the conduit. Jesus is flowing through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one you need to applaud. He's the one that you need to praise. He's the one that you need to glorify. Don't look at us. That's a mighty move of God because Peter knew that the people fell in love with he and John. And he also knew that they're falling in love with he and John. He knew that if they fall in love with he and John, that everybody loses and we fall in love with a human vessel, we lose, game over. We fall in love with Jesus. He makes all things new. And Peter knew that whoever attempts to rob God of His glory would suffer immensely. He knew that whoever is trying to rob God of glory, whether it be through insecurity, whether it be through pridefulness, whether it be through to spiritual blindness. He knew that for that person that does that now or did that then, that that person's inviting God. They're giving God an invitation to go, God, I want you to go to war against me. Peter knew this. That's why I wrote down key number one and asked you to write it down in your notes. When God moves in power, visible power that is, you're seeing it. This is a prime time to remind those who are watching where the power comes from. When God moves invisible power, this is a prime time to remind those who are watching where the power comes from. The Bible is very clear. You can go back to the Old Testament, and contrary to some beliefs, the Old Testament is not unhitched from the New Testament. Uh, The two go hand in hand together. It's part of the Word of God. We stand on it, we believe it, we'll die for it. You go back to the Ten Commandments, and it's interesting that when you look at the Ten Commandments, there's one at the very top, number one, that says, there shall be no other gods before me. Uh, Not a suggestion, not an idea, not a, hey, if you get around to it or feel like it. Uh, God's very serious. When you look in the Hebrew, uh, the word no means no, none, zero, not a nilch. He's saying, there's no other gods before me. And it's interesting, if we can just get number one right, the remaining nine take care of themselves. But the problem is, we, we live in an idol factory called America. And we live in a country that just says, hey, it's all about you and the doctrine of me, meology. And we're warring against that every day. And the Bible's over here screaming that, don't prop up yourself, don't exalt yourself, don't applaud yourself. The Bible says, go crucify yourself, go deny yourself, take up your cross and and follow Christ. Not a popular message, but it's the Bible, amen? 
And there's an account in Scripture. We're going to read it here in the coming weeks. But there's a guy named James who he gets killed by the sword. Peter gets imprisoned in the same context. And there's this king named Herod. Not a nice guy. Just a mean dude. And so there's a lot going on in that whole narrative. But what's so interesting is you're seeing these miracles play out in that narrative and Peter gets freed by an angel. And it's just crazy what God's doing is, is, is His people faith Him and walk out in boldness and say, you know what, even if everyone else is going this direction, God, we're going to make sure we're going your direction. We're not going to get blown and tossed away, but we're going to stand firm for the gospel. And Peter says, I'm going to take the, the beating, if you will. He gets imprisoned, but then he gets freed from prison. And this guy named Herod, it says this so interesting in the Word. It says this, that he did not give glory to God, therefore an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms. That's a painful way to go, isn't it? But the next phrase is so interesting. It says this, that but the word of God increased and multiplied. So in the midst of persecution, in the midst of pushback, in the midst of deception, when God's people stand for God's word, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of my God will stand forever. That we know this, that no matter what's coming against us, we know this, that our God is for us. We know this with confidence, that greater is He that's within us than He that's in the world. We know with a posture of humility that there's a great, ever-growing boldness and courageousness in our lives, that as we press deeper into Him, the Bible says this, as you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. As we submit joyfully to Him, He's going to do an amazing work in the believer's life that's fully surrendered to Him. And say, well, how do you know? Well... The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. You know what the Bible says about this subject matter? Write this down in your notes. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 10. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. So we have this treasure. We're the jars of clay. We're the broken, cracked pots. Why? To show. I love this. Here's the why. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What do you see a parallel here with Peter and John? They're saying we're a bunch of cracked pots. Don't look at us. We didn't heal this lame guy. The power of the Holy Spirit did. And the Bible goes on in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And all God's people said, powerful, isn't it? Well, if I and you, if we can just remember that on our best day, we're filthy rags, that's on our best day. On our best day, we're just cracked pots. But it will keep the perspective and it will keep the glory war at bay, won't it? 
the glory war that's waging between us and God. As humans, we want the glory. We want to feel good. And God continually through His Word just screams a different message. He says the way up is down. You live by what? You live by losing. You live by dying. That's what the Word tells us. So after Peter, he makes sure, he makes sure that everyone knows, we didn't do this. Because you know, it's interesting, Peter knows that when there's a miracle happening visually and visibly, it's easy to get really excited, isn't it? Like It's really easy to get excited. But what's so interesting to me that excitement always does not translate into making true disciples. You can generate a stir, you can gather a big crowd, but God didn't call us to just gather people into a room. He called us to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And, and that's a very narrow way that we know from Matthew that it says that the way is very narrow and, and few will find it. And it's a pathway that's going to be hard and difficult, but, but it leads to life. And yet again, a very unpopular message. And you want to talk about being unpopular. Look at verses 13 and 16 of Acts chapter 3. Peter's already thrown down once in Acts chapter 2. And now he's going for round two of throwing down. Look what he says here in 13. He says, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus this is so interesting. He, he pulls from a Jewish thought. He, he knows that these listeners are going to identify with this God of Isaac and Jacob and, and Abraham. He knows they're going to resonate with it. So he uses the open door. He sees the open door. The, the miracle was simply this. It began to open a door for people to hear. The miracle of the lame man walking being lame from birth, and then all of a sudden leaping for joy, that was not the end of the story. That was just the beginning of the story. God used that in power, and maybe He's trying to use that in your life today, that, that maybe there's a situation where, where God's using something in a powerful way, and maybe you're looking at it going, Ooh, I'm, I'm finally glad that the end of the story is here, and maybe God's going, oh, time out, chief. Not so fast, my friend. This is actually the beginning of the story in your life. Because he wants to use the miracle to get people's attention. He wants to use the miracle in your life to, to show off his glory and for the fame of his name. He wants to use the miracle to draw many to himself, but it's not the end. It truly is the beginning. And it's so powerful when you look at that and you think in your Bible in front of you that he says that the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. The message is always about Jesus. If we make the message about anything other than Jesus, if we don't make a beeline to the cross in every instance, as Spurgeon used to say, we've lost our focus. Well, they get reminded of their focus here because the open door is present, and here's what Peter says. He says, whom you whom you delivered over and you denied 
in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. I find that very interesting. Peter, track with me on this, Peter once denied Christ, amen? And now his life has been so turned upside down for the fame of God's name that now he's using an open door to call out those that are now denying Christ. Interesting how God can take our failures and use as a platform to advance the gospel. He goes on and says these powerful words. In the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him, Pilate knew the charges were false. That's why he's trying to get rid of Jesus. But, 14, but you denied, there goes Peter again, the Holy Ghost and the righteous one. He's referring to Christ's deity there in that phrase, when you study that in the original. And he asked for a murderer, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed Jesus, the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by the way, this is the whole point here. Everything in Christianity hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus doesn't walk out of that grave, everything else is meaningless. But because on that third day, we believe through the power of the Scriptures that on that third day that the stone was rolled away, amen? And we believe that Jesus Christ exited that grave because he did that, we have sin that has now been conquered. Death has been conquered. The grave is forever empty. And many of those believers in that audience didn't believe that. And so Peter makes a point. And then he says in verse 16, in his name, by Christ's authority and Christ's power, by faith in his name, not our names, Peter's saying, not our names, but the name of Jesus, there's no other name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of all. I love this. Peter starts his diatribe. This is his second sermon in two chapters, both sermons. Man, he's coming out of the gate. He's taking the gloves off. He's coming off the top rope. And he's saying, look, I got open doors. I got open doors in Acts chapter 2. Man, they're, they're cut to the heart. Their hearts are ripped wide open. Acts chapter 3. Man, the miracle has opened a door. And Peter doesn't go, I'm going to give you guys something that just is palatable. Maybe I'll give you guys something that feels good, that tastes good. And Peter just busts through this door going, man, if you don't get to Christ, if you don't give your life to Christ, Everything else in this life's meaningless because when you exit this life, if you haven't truly surrendered to Him, it's all over. There's not any do-overs. That's how passionate Peter is about this gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to break through the door as the door is open. When he's speaking of God's sovereignty here in these verses, he's speaking of the covenantal God. He's speaking of the same God, both Jew and Greek. Gentile. He's saying, man, you give your life to Jesus. And we, when it's real, when it's true, man, you're in the presence of God forever. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. 
In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. And then, he forcefully confronts their sin. He pierces their consciences. And he reminds the people, he reminds them over and over in this sermon of the crimes they committed, how they denied, how they delivered up Jesus, how they wanted a murderer. There's Pilate, and Pilate's standing there in front of Jesus, and he's so conflicted. There Pilate is, and he's got the way, the truth, and life standing in front of him, and, and Pilate is just so confused, and what do I do here? I, I know this man's innocent. He's being falsely accused, falsely tried, but wanting to gratify the crowds. So oh, there's the fatal flaw, isn't it, right there? But wanting to gratify men. He says, who do you want? Do you want Jesus, who's innocent? Or do you want Barabbas, who's a murderer? And the people who are so spiritually deluded and blinded with a shout, with a vengeance, with a fury, they exclaim and proclaim, give us Barabbas. And that's what darkness does. Is it clouds spiritual thinking. And they wanted an innocent man to be murdered, Jesus. Peter's not coddling. He's speaking the truth because he knows what's at stake. He knows what's at stake. He sees the end. He's walked with the king himself. He knows what's at stake and he's bold. And that's why I wrote down key number two and I ask you to write it down in your notes. When God moves invisible power, this is a prime time to stand boldly for the truth of God's Word. Key number two, write it down. When God moves in visible power, this is a prime time to stand boldly for the truth of God's Word. Church, now is not the time to hunker in the bunker. It's not the time to cower in fear. It's not the time to turn a blind eye to sin. It's, it's not a time, if you will, to, to simply look at Christ and just float along in casual Christianity. Remember, Satan attacks where he's threatened the most. The Word of God is a threat. The, the nuclear family in our culture today, a Christian nuclear family is a threat. The sanctity of human life is a threat. So where do you think the enemy attacks? He attacks everything that's threatening him. Anything that represents Christ is a threat to him. Because all the way back to the Garden of Eden, it's all about a lust for power, a lust for control. And the enemies and Satan himself understand that, and they are fighting to the very end to destroy and to deceive. See, there's something about courage. You know, when you're around a man or a woman that has great courage, what does it do for you? Like, what does it do? Think about that for a moment. If you're around a man or a woman, maybe you're thinking about one right now that you've seen that's had great courage, what does it do for you? Boy, it stiffens your spine, doesn't it? Boy, it begins to galvanize you. 
Man, you're just like, wait a minute, they're just a normal person, and yet they have this power in them. A. Hodge said it like this years ago. He said, it's easier to find a score of men wise enough to discover the truth than to find one intrepid enough in the face of opposition to stand for it. Let me say that again, A. A. Hodge. It's easier to find a score of men wise enough to discover the truth than to find one intrepid enough in the face of opposition to stand for it. You know, they talk about only dead fish float downstream, right? It takes a living one to fight against the current. Boy, do we ever need bold men and women of the cross of Jesus Christ to rise up in this culture and to be the game changers, change the narrative. Maybe God's speaking to you today inside your house, and He's saying, I want you to change the narrative in your house. You're, you're the pastor of your house, dad, grandpa, and, and I'm going to hold you accountable, and it's time to change the narrative, time for you to embolden yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit and the cross and, and the Word of God, and you're going to be that one that's going to lead, and you're going to shepherd your wife and your kids because the culture's waiting, the, the culture's waiting with bated breath to just destroy your family. And maybe that's the Holy Spirit right now speaking in your life today, speaking in my life today. Because I'm the pastor of my home, and I'll be held accountable. Listen to the boldness of Paul in Galatians. Write this down, Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10. Listen to this boldness that he's giving here, this great courage that he's speaking. Listen to what he says here in Galatians 1, 6 through 10. As he speaks to the church in Galatia, he says, I'm astounded or astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like the United States of America, doesn't it? It's like, oh man, let's, just, let's be blown and tossed to and fro. Man, whatever sounds good today, whatever the flavor of the day is. And right here, Paul in that day saying, I am astonished. I can't believe you're turning from Christ. He says about this different gospel, not that there is one, another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Hmm. But even if what? But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be damned. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be accursed, let him be damned. And then I love verse 10. He says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ, period, end quote, Wow. Jesus says, you're for me, you're against me. And here Peter, through this glorious passage here in Acts chapter 3, 13 through 16, he has this Holy Spirit power. Peter who once cowered in fear. Hey, do you know who Jesus is? I don't have any clue who this guy is. Not once, not twice, but three times. That should be an encouragement to me and you today that our past sin, our past denials of Christ do not define who we are today. And yet the enemy would want you to believe that lie, wouldn't he? 
that thought was just boggling in my head all week long. And I couldn't help but think of Mark chapter 4 about the boldness of Christ. And we talked about this on Wednesday night, and I'd mentioned that to Steve that he said, hey, I'm going to talk about this. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but so am I on Sunday, which just gives more confirmation of the Lord and the Holy Spirit working. But listen to the boldness of Jesus as he leads in daunting circumstances. And then maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're in daunting circumstances. Like you don't know how this is going to work out. You simply don't know how this is going to work out. You are at the end of your rope. You have burnt the candle at both ends, and they're meeting in the middle, and you're like, Lord, what are you doing? Well, look at Mark here for a moment on the screens, chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. It says this, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus says to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And all of a sudden, a great windstorm, literally like a hurricane, began to arise. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern. What was he doing? He's asleep on a pillow. He stayed up the night before, and he ordered one of those my perfect pillows, didn't he? He's asleep on a pillow. There's a hurricane going on, and Jesus is asleep. And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I bet Jesus paused there. He's probably like wiping off his, the grog in his eyes, and he's like, there's no we about this. I'm not perishing. You may be, but I'm not. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. That must have been amazing. And said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. There was great calm. And then he looked at them and said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, that's boldness, isn't it? You say, well, he was Jesus. It's still boldness. You know, the, the whole key in this is we miss the very first verse. Let me read the first verse one more time for the storm that you're in today. Here it is. On that day, verse 35, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us go across to the other side. End of story. Like, period. Actually, put an exclamation point on it. Jesus already told them they're going to the other side. Now, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the storm, it doesn't mean you're not going to the other side. You're just going through a trial and a storm. But listen to Jesus. So many times we say, Jesus, I believe in you. The problem is, do we really believe him? And we're going to the other side. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be a lot of turbulence. Fasten your seatbelts. Don't get out of your seats. That's the boldness of Christ. So think about here as you marinate on Galatians and then Mark, Paul being bold, Jesus being bold. Look at the last part that we're going to look at in 17 through 20 of Acts 3. Just look at this as we begin to put a prayerfully a big red bow on this. 
Finally, Peter right here, he uses the open door to not only speak the truth, but to call for action. Look what he says here in 17 through 20, Acts chapter 3. And now, and now, he's giving the truth, didn't mince words. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, this spiritual blindness, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, by the mouth of the prophets, that His Christ would suffer, be thus fulfilled. And here's the action. Here is the call to action, 19. Repent, therefore. In light of what I just said, Peter's saying, in light of my diatribe, here's what's happening. He's saying, repent, therefore, and turn back. Be converted. Flee to God. Be regenerated. Why? That your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Christ appointed to you, which is Jesus. And all God's people said... Isn't that good? Peter's like, look, I know you acted in ignorance. I know you're spiritually blind. But still, he's begging them through the power of the Holy Spirit to repent. Not to repeat apologies, but to repent, to turn, to turn, to change your mind, to do a 180 spiritually, to turn from the wickedness. Why? That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord both in the here and now and certainly in the second coming. Amen? And that's why our key number three, our final key is this. Write this down. When God moves in visible power, this is a prime time to call people to repentance. Key number three, when God moves in visible power, this is a prime time to call people to repentance. You know, I get it, calling people to repentance is very risky to the flesh. You know, maybe you're dealing with a situation right now at work, maybe in home, uh, wherever, and, and it's risky. It's risky to the flesh. But God blesses obedience. And by lovingly but firmly calling people to repentance, think about what that does. I mean, what if the people become bitter? Well, that's a possibility. But what if they become better? And that's a possibility. See, the call to repentance is not to be bitter, it's to be better. And so often in our flesh, it's easy to get those two convoluted. But, but think about for a moment, just for a moment, think about a time. Think about this, that, that your spiritual eyes were opened. That maybe you listen to this or you listen to that and you bought into it and then you realize, wait a minute, this isn't right. This isn't true. You had one of those, what was I thinking moments? Ever been there before? You had one of those, what was I thinking moments? Well, are you willing today to begin to just ask God to give you spiritual lenses that you would see clearly through all of the enemy's schemes. Now, I want you to, to listen for a moment as I give you three scriptures to write down. Listen first to John the Baptist calling the religious leaders to repent in Matthew chapter 3, 7 through 10. Matthew 3, 7 through 10. Listen to his boldness. And we know what happened to John, right? He lost his head. And this world didn't work out real well for him. 
But in the next, it worked out beautifully through his obedience. It says this, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those religious people of the day who thought very highly of themselves, coming to the baptism, his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. (laughs) That was nice. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Look at verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, godly fruit, holy fruit, spiritual fruit, is cut down and is thrown into the fire. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The charade will always be exposed. Always. May not be immediately. Maybe days, weeks, months, and years down the road, but the charade always gets exposed. Listen to Jesus, secondly, calling the people to repent. Luke chapter 13, verse 5. This is Jesus. Luke 13, 5. He says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. <laughs> Did you see the gravity of this? It's, it's just too easy in the Americanized culture to, to say you're in for Jesus but be nowhere near Jesus. I mean, we just made it so easy in this consumeristic, me-centered, me-ology, planet me, planet universe, the enemy of self. It just invites this easy believism. And Jesus says, no, no, unless you repent, unless you turn from your wickedness, you're going to perish. And of course, probably the most famous of all the scriptures regarding repentance would be 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Probably you have that memorized. But listen to God calling His followers, His people to repent. Listen to what He says here. He says, if my people, not the other people, not the sinful people in the world, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and and turn, repent from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and then I will forgive their sin, and then I will heal their land. Every time I read that, I I weep because I wonder if if God's simply waiting on professed believers to lead the charge in the repentance. Remember what Spurgeon said, as I've quoted before, The same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sin. Church, in a culture of itching ears, I wish I could change it, but it's just reality. In a culture of people being tossed to and fro, every wind and doctrine in a culture where many are falling away, they're being led astray by the trickery of men, the schemes of men, the deceit of men, they're being led away. Do you understand this though? That there's no obstacle. There's no resistance, no lies, no enemies of the cross that can stop the power of Almighty God working through us to go and pierce the darkness and go light a candle on the porch of hell. 
can't be stopped. What happened? No fear of hell, no scheme of man, as the song says, can ever pluck us from his hand. Amen. I love what Jesus told Peter. He says, Peter, on you, the Petra, the Petros, the rock. I will build my church, and I love the next phrase, and you should take this to the bank. You should write this on the tablet of your heart, embroider it on every pillow you got at your house, and the gates of hell will not prevail, amen? I mean, doesn't that give you great courage today, that no matter what is against you, the believer today, that when you rest in the arms of the Savior, when you are under the blood of Jesus, as Sam read earlier, that He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the wings of the Almighty forever. You can't be taken out. You can't be snatched. That's why God's inviting you and me today, church, to be all in for His glory. He's inviting you right now to be all in. Be all in, to be to be that woman, to be that man that says, I, I want to make a difference. I, I don't want to get to the end and go, man, I just wasted my life. I want to get to the end saying it wasn't perfect, but I ran hard for you, Jesus. He's inviting you right now in a culture that applauds casual Christianity, in a culture that applauds mean half in and half out, which is a contradiction in terms I wonder if there's someone here today that's willing to take a stand. I wonder right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's speaking to your life and speaking to your heart. If there's someone here today going, man, I, I will. I'll be the one. I'll be the one to, to change the culture. I'll be the one to be used like Peter and John that, that many lame spiritually people around me might run to the cross of Jesus Christ, not by my power, but by the power that's above every power, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder if there's someone here today that will take a stand and say, I will. Well, that's my prayer. My prayer is that many will take a stand and lay everything on the altar. Just lay everything on the altar today. Just everything you are, everything you have, just lay it on the altar push back from the altar and say, Jesus, it's yours. Just use me today. Use me in power. Use me to make a difference. Use me to shake the nations. Oh, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take a stand to bring people to Christ? Oh, I pray, our great God, I pray you'll do whatever you need to do in our lives right now to lead us to total surrender. Because I can assure you this, if you totally surrender your life to Jesus today, it will be the one decision in your life that you will never regret. And the pile that we all have of decisions that we regret that might be racing through our minds right now, surrendering your life totally to Jesus in the midst of opposition and pushback and resistance will be the one decision you will never regret. Where does God have you today? What is He speaking to your life right now? What is the Holy Spirit right in this very moment in this room asking you to give Him? Because I've learned this in my own life, He typically asks us to give Him what's most important to us. Because what's most important to us 
is usually what's standing between us and Him. What is it today the Lord says, I want you to give it to me. You're not going to lose anything. You're actually going to gain everything as you follow in obedience. Father, we come before you today and Lord, as we've opened your word and we've seen the miracles, we've seen Peter and John be vessels of your power, of your might. We've seen Peter and John deflect all the glory to you. We've seen Peter and John be bold and use open doors to speak the truth. Oh God, I pray you'd raise up bold truth-tellers all over this room. Men and women alike, I pray you'd raise them up all over this room, God. May we never be the same again, but may we be emboldened in such a way that we'd understand that we can't be battle-tested unless we've been in a battle. We can't be forged by the fire unless we've been in the fire. And God, with so many people that are running out of the fire spiritually, Give us bold men and women that will have the courage to run back in and to grab ankles as so many are perishing and going to an eternal hell. Oh God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you move all over this place in just a power that is unspeakable. May you shake our hearts to the core. And as we reflect on your word, don't allow us to ignore your promptings. Don't allow us to walk in disobedience. But may you draw us closer to your side, even right now. That wherever you lead, wherever you guide, we will simply follow and obey. Father, do something in this moment. Do something in power. Move, God, oh, move. Don't allow me and don't allow us to leave here the same as when we entered. To you be the praise. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.